Hello friends, welcome to episode number 25 of Starting to Know Business Podcast with your host and your friend Ishu Singh. How are you doing? How was your day? Or how is your day going so far? I hope that you are healthy and your family is also healthy because that is the most important thing. Podcasts, connection, doing things, business, jobs, whatever that comes second or I would say that comes last. First is your health and your family's health. I hope that you guys are all doing well and that's coming from the bottom of my heart. If you're listening to this podcast for the very first time, we are all family here. I'm talking doesn't mean that I know everything. If the guest whosoever is coming on this podcast doesn't mean that they know everything. It's just a sharing of knowledge, right? We cannot know everything in its entirety because it's ever evolving. That's why like the name of the podcast is also there, like starting to know. You're just starting to know about almost everything. You cannot say that, oh, this is finished, this is the end. There is no end for anything, basically. So this podcast is also about that. Here, I, I bring selective guests, great companies, great stories, great leaders, and we learn from each other. I try to ask the questions from my experience and they share their knowledge, whatever they know, so that the communication can happen and you guys can learn at the same time. And people here, like they share messages with me. So they share the feedback on iTunes as well to tell how am I doing in terms of podcasts, in terms of questions. So this is about the family. So if you want to start, run, or grow your business, this is the podcast for you. This is not the only one. There are other out there as well. But this is going to be the podcast where we act like a family. Here you're going to learn a lot. And I'm pretty sure that after listening to this episode, you will come to know like what this podcast is all about. And I'm hoping that you're going to come back to listen to the next episode as well. If you're listening to this podcast for the second, third time, even more than that, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. This really means a lot. If someone wants to know more about me, you can go to my website, issuesing.com, I-S-H-U-S-I-N-G-H.com, issuesing.com. You can learn more about me there. And if you want to drop a message there or you want to get in touch with me, you can drop me a message on my website and I will try to get back to you as soon as possible. Talking about great leaders, talking about AI companies, visionaries, leaders, entrepreneurs, founders that I bring on this podcast, I have next one for you. I have Dr. Eric Daimler the CEO of Connexus today on this podcast. Connexus helps in solving their customer problems, like in solving the problems of data interoperability. So if you're not familiar with that term, if you want to learn more, you can Google it. But basically, it's a connect. It's a connection of different data points or different 
data is coming from different systems is connection of all those data together so that it interoperability can be achieved. A little bit about Dr. Eric Daimler. Eric served in the Obama administration as a White House Fellow for Machine Learning and Robotics. So you can imagine the knowledge that we're going to get from today's episode is going to be epic. Epic Eric episode. This is going to be epic Eric episode. Triple E. <laughs> so I just made it up. <laughs> so or data is the new fuel. Some people are saying that data is the new fuel in a sense that before whosoever was in the petroleum industry made a ton of money. Uh, now people are comparing that petroleum or fossil fuel industry with data. Data is the new fuel which is going to run the world. It is becoming true as well in some aspects if you think deeper about it. And in order to solve that problem, in order to get that petroleum, data has to be powered by AI. Like without that, it's going to be kind of impossible to do it manually. Like because we are producing so much data for a particular company, sometimes it becomes really impossible for a human to do that. So you need AI. And Connexus is also dealing with same kind of situation. They are trying to solve the problem of the customers for data interoperability. I can keep on talking about what Connexus does and what are the other things about Eric. Uh, he has achieved a lot. That's what I can tell you. He has achieved a lot in his life. And I'm, I'm going to talk less and just directly welcome Eric to the pod. Hi, Eric. Welcome to the pod. Good to be here. Awesome. And uh, I just wanted to start with what is Connexus? Connexus is what comes after big data. You know, big data is uh, uh, rather an old term at this point, but what comes after big data when you can no longer just test small data sets this way or that? What comes after that? is reasoning about data at the model level, at the schema level. This is deep in the infrastructure of, of corporate data, corporate databases. Connexus works to have those data interoperate. We, we see the ramifications of this anywhere from healthcare.gov when mismatched data didn't want to talk to each other and it collapsed the web page for a period of time to drug discovery, when we have databases that might represent uh, different uh, treatments. And we, we're working on that right now for a COVID treatment. That sort of mismatch data in our operating is a problem and our company works to solve that. Mm -hmm. Great explanation. And, and Eric, like this product, like your company or your product, I would say like, do you only cater to big companies or governments or you also deal with smaller to medium businesses? Generally, the problem of these very large data sets is one of larger companies and governments. It really, it comes about into the data sizes. So if you are working with hundreds of thousands of rows or columns in an 
an Excel spreadsheet, for example, you can often still reason about data. But when you get up to the billions or trillions is really where we're at, then you need a different approach. And that's where there's really no other alternative. Mm, okay. And I've read on your website as well, like you have mentioned, build or maybe like build semantic interoperability between yeah. your data systems. Yeah. Can you simplify it, uh, simplify it for us? Like a yeah. one understand. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's that everybody can experience uh, with not a lot of data that pretty soon your storage of data in your relationships with data are not actually based on meaning. They're often just based on legacy circumstance. Even using something as simple as a Google Sheet or an Excel spreadsheet, you'll often find that you want to establish relationships of, of increasing sophistication between different tabs or between different worksheets. We enable that. That can be a pretty frustrating process uh, when you're dealing with dozens or hundreds, when you're dealing with billions or trillions of data, a global logistical system or databases for drug discovery, it becomes incomprehensible. So we allow for your data to be related by meaning, not by legacy circumstance. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, can you explain us a little bit about it? Like if the company is using ERP, that means they are producing legacy data or are they producing the data that you are talking about? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question about ERP. So, you know, that was really an invented enterprise resource planning to make sure that manufacturing was connected to finance. So you could take a business like a Samsung and mm -hmm. that connection between making TVs, for example, to how many TVs are going to manufacture uh, and, and the financing of them, that's important. But they also have parts of their business such as their advertising. They have obviously internal human resources, how much labor is required to produce the TVs. They have a whole supply network and then they have sales, which are different than their advertising. The database that connects Walmart as a distribution set doesn't actually communicate to manufacturing, let alone advertising. So the relationship that we have as individuals, as potential customers of Samsung's advertising or a recipient to one of their televisions, isn't directly connected in any sort of hard way to their finance and to their manufacturing. The re result is a slower business, a slower, less efficient business. Now, how these businesses have grown up is with these sort of federated databases, manufacturing, finance, advertising, sales, HR, and they've learned to live with them. Mm -hmm. But they're inefficient and they're slow and they're expensive and they're fragile because they'll break, you know, data will change, formats will change just the same way when we get a, a new iPhone perhaps in the next month or so that we'll find ourselves having to reset apps or reset our passwords. That happens with large companies all the time, every day, all day. We work to fix that with a fundamentally different approach and we solve it uh, across industries and we solve it across a range of problems. The ones we just talked about is this issue of just linking databases within a large company. That sort of mismatched data, it's a problem that everybody has and it's only getting worse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If the companies, like if the supply chain or if the manufacturer is not, uh, is not connected directly with, with, the, with the seller of that same product, 
So what should be the approach there? Like your tools come into play at that point, like uh, where you connect the data of the manufacturer and the data of the retailer, or I would say the main company like Samsung. So here your tool comes into play or there has to be, or there is some other solution that we, that would take that place uh, in terms of AI or without AI as well. It's helpful to, to think about how data is connected today. So nearly every large firm uh, sends some check to Oracle every mm -hmm. month for the uh, maintenance of uh, their relational database management systems. Mm -hmm. Those are massive, massive systems. You know, we are, are talking in the, in the last quarter of 2020 when not too long ago, we just had this very large media event through the uh, uh, initial public offering of Snowflake. This is how people are newly storing their data, migrating to the cloud or the multi-cloud. But that is uh, just a way of storing bits. How the data actually becomes integrated, how the data actually interoperates is a totally different issue and a very hard one. It's solved today through a lot of manual effort. So we have people that will just uh, look at one piece of data, think of an Excel spreadsheet and another piece of data, think of another Excel spreadsheet, and they will, they will work to reason in the most manual, dreary way about how data can, can talk to each other. This causes complications like healthcare.gov, but what we, what Connexus is working to do is we're working to integrate that data once and for all. So we won't we create magic. We're not reading somebody's mind. If we, for example, are working in uh, drug discovery, uh, you know, we're not life sciences professionals. So in that example, there are uh, drug databases that have been created over the decades. One of these drug databases uh, may contain uh, a question about smoking. Mm -hmm. Are you a smoker? Yes, no. We might reveal some additional knowledge over the coming uh, uh, years that modifies that question. So the next drug database question will say, smoking, how much? And then we might say, see some well-meaning life sciences professionals add some nuance to a future drug database. And it'll, it'll say, well, smoking, how much? How long ago did you quit? And the life sciences professional may say, well, they quit 10 years ago uh, at a pack a day. Those are three different ways of representing, did you smoke? The current way of integrating these drug databases in order to produce drug trials, in order to produce a COVID vaccine, would do, we'll say one of two things, either normalize, it's a technical term, normalize the data, so it'd create just smoking yes, no, when really there was a nuance in that data, or, it would just ignore the data. Uh, the, the researcher might say, well, it's, it's just too hard to integrate that additional data. So we'll just leave it aside. And companies do that all the time. They'll just leave data on the floor. They spent millions, if not billions of dollars collecting data, but the integration, the interoperability of that data with their existing systems is just too difficult. So they'll just leave it alone. And the result is that besides the process being slow and expensive, and fragile is it's it's worse than it could be. It, we're going to get uh, we we certainly have slower drug trials than they could be, and we also have less effective drug trials than they could be because 
uh, of this difficulty in data integration, this difficulty in data interoperability. You know, mismatched data doesn't like to talk to each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as you said, all the businesses are driven by the data. So right now there are many tools available to show you the data in a, in a chart format or whatever format you want to see the data in like pie chart or something like that. Like where AI fits into all this, like use of AI is going to be powering these individual tools with AI or is there more with which not everyone is familiar? Like uh, is, is this a use of the AI for individual tools or the AI is being used in some other way as well to integrate all the data? You know, it's helpful to think then about what we mean by artificial intelligence. And I mm -hmm. like to talk about artificial intelligence as a system, as a whole system, mm -hmm. uh, really for the 99% of us that are not AI researchers that don't spend our days creating and theorizing about AI algorithms. Mm -hmm. The way I conceptualize it uh, with my friends and family is as a system that senses, plans, acts, and then learns from that whole experience. It's an augmentation tool that collects data. It could be from a sensor on your car, or it could be from the air quality in your home, or it could be customer data that then goes through a network, processors, uh, your, your co coaxial cables or what have you, into the, into the planning process. That's kind of traditionally how people think of artificial intelligence. And then a decision has to be made about whether that's acted upon. Uh, it, should the autonomous car slow down at the upcoming crosswalk uh, because that shadow could be a person or is it confident to maintain its speed and, and continue on through that crosswalk at the same speed? A decision is made because often AI's uh, outcomes are probabilistic, not deterministic. So that could be a probability of comfort, uh, just like humans. And then it learns from itself. You know, AI is not going to suddenly learn Spanish or French, but mm -hmm. it will learn over time the, the nuances of shadows on a particular crosswalk with repeated visits to that neighborhood. That's how I like to think of artificial intelligence. So it's a totality of a system. The, the visualization of it, charts mm -hmm. and graphs or, or, or spider charts or those explosive looking things we often see that are fascinating, mm -hmm. those, are, those are visualizations of data. And we could either have those visualizations before the planning or after the planning. And, and, and it's good for us to be familiar with those visualiz visualizations so we can see what we like to see, what we find to be useful. What Connexus does is Connexus is upstream or happens before the planning part, before the analytics part, the, the, the bringing together of data after the sensing, after the collecting, the bringing together and the integrating, the interoperability that allows for better analysis. You, you think if you're gonna do analysis, you don't want all the data in the world in your actual formula, but you'd like to consider all the data that you've collected. You as an individual, you as a company, have spent time collecting data generally when you're ready to make a decision. And you want to at least consider all the data that you spent time and resources collecting. That's really what Connexus uh, enables. And that's where the world is going, is collecting more data and having to have that be interoperable. Mm -hmm. 
And I just want to uh, explore more into this point. Like, I w as you mentioned, like many things around the data and the businesses, do you think that all the data that any particular business is generating can be interconnected? If they're using maybe 10 tools or 15 tools or whatever, some are using separate CRM, some are using separate ERP, some are using other sophisticated system, custom develop or something like that. Do you think any data uh, produced by a business can be interconnected? Everything can get uh, interconnected at a different level of mathematics. There is a new math that is coming into our world called categorical mathematics or category theory. This math will change everything we know. You, you know, we're often used to innovations or discoveries in physics that it, uh, informs the continuity of Moore's law. We're less used to discoveries in mathematics and category theory or the recent discoveries around category theory are one of those. This level of category theory, uh, this discovery that, that Conexus exploits, and there'll be many others, is uh, fundamentally a way to connect uh, one relationship to another relationship, establish those relationships and how they are related. This is going to really transform our, our world. Uh, it, it moves us from a world of, uh, uh, of rigid equality uh, that really applied when, when our ancestors were farming or when they worked in factories to today's knowledge economy. It's really fundamentally different than calculus uh, and relational algebra, which is what built up uh, relational databases. It's fundamentally different. And you might think the more math, the better, but if I was going to be advocating uh, my, to, 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 to children what they would want to spend time on more than other, I would emphasize category theory and probability over, let's say, geometry, trigonometry, and even calculus. Mm -hmm. So it has to be like uh, starting from the fundamentals. Like if, if you teach people, uh, you're, you're saying that basically like there can be a new math for a younger generation as well. Uh, to think yes. from different different point of view, right? Yeah, categor categorical mathematics is the relation is the the way to establish relationships. So it's really the math of the future. It's more useful if you think of uh, the way in which you and I are related. The the old the, the recent math, you know, around which my PhD was based on graph theory. It establishes that we can have a relationship upon a, a particular domain, our our love for Toronto, or or our, our love for these sorts of conversations. But the 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 new math would establish a, a relationship that's a little more firm. So not just along an interest, but the, a, a more firm relationships about. Uh, uh, interoperability. So when is one substitutable for another? Not that you and I are substitutable uh, uh, in many in many or most circumstances, but there are some relationships where you can say, well, we're not we're not actually literally the same person, but we may be equivalent in uh, in, in some level of abstraction. Say uh, the the testing of a drug for for COVID. Uh, uh, there there are some characterizations where uh, not a rigid uh, equality, but an equivalence is more appropriate. And that's, that's a, just a small uh, sample of maybe how equivalents are going to come into our world and how it's more appropriate. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And Eric, who came up with the idea of Conexus? Like you or someone else? 
Yeah, we have three co-founders, uh, uh, me and Ryan, Dr. Ryan Wisniewski and Dr. David Spivak. Dr. Uh, David Spivak is a math faculty at MIT, and he's really, we'll say, the, the genesis of the, 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 the discovery or category theory that enables our technology. And Dr. Wisniewski is the one that was able to translate the math into, uh, into code. Uh, in something that could potentially take to market. And what, what I uh, help do is, is turn that into something that is scalable and, and you know, enterprise uh, available, we'll say. Something that actually works as a business. Okay. And Eric, like how you found the, the starting point to this AI world? Like, and I was curious, like I wanted, to, um, I wanted to particularly ask you this question, like as you have worked for the Obama administration as well. So, just wanted to ask you how you came to this AI world. You were always like kind of into computers, programming, you wanted to get into it or what was the starting point? I'm just going behind the scenes now. <laughs> I am uh, uh, grateful to have had a very privileged uh, existence, uh, really starting with some, uh, uh, the wonderful accident of choosing good parents. Uh, my, you know, my father uh, was a uh, was an engineer, and and between the encouragement of, of my mother and my father, uh, I would spend many times uh, in the basement when I probably should have been playing outside in the sun, uh, uh, working with uh, the 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 gods of electronics uh, and and computer like things uh, that were uh, uh, collected in our basement from. Uh, from my father and I, uh, I built my first computer, uh, you know, with some other tools, literally a soldering iron uh, mm. when I was nine. Uh, and I have had a fascination uh, with AI in, in various forms, um, probably not long after that. Mm. Okay, okay. This is an interesting story. So you were always into these kind of things. So that's how you progress into this AI world. Yes. Yeah. And uh, is there any number or are there any numbers that you can share with us maybe about your company in terms of uh, deals or in terms of uh, the amount of data that you are seeing or maybe in terms of industry that you can share with us? Any kind of numbers that that is kind of new or not everybody knows about it? Trillions. This is the number I'll share. Trillions. <laughs> the idea is that, is that the numbers that, that we have contemplated in our world uh, are, are small by comparison of what will be in, with us even two years from now. The, the multiplier of the amount of data uh, that we have around us is, is you know, something on the order of today's data be representing only 10% of all data that will exist even two years from now. That's how quickly data is exploding. It's really unfathomable. It's, really, it, it, it's, it's probably most easily to, easy to imagine when, when this thinking about stars in our galaxy. It's just uh, uh, very, very difficult to imagine. So we have to have a different way of relating to it. What we do as Conexus is we help this different data interoperate. So an example of this is work we've done with Uber. And uh, this is data uh, or an experience that I can share where Uber, for all the smart people they have, and they have some very smart ones, and for all the money they have, and they have a lot, they uh, grew up with these many cities uh, being independent of one another in the analysis for their business. So they could, for example, 
look at the relationship between uh, supply and demand uh, for their ridership in Toronto or in Ottawa or Montreal, but they couldn't look for the whole of Eastern Canada, let alone the whole of North America or the whole of the world. They had to do statistical comparisons between those cities. The modeling of all of that together is what Conexus has enabled for Uber. And that's what we've been uh, enabling for other companies addressing, for example, a COVID vaccine or other companies, for example, with their post-COVID logistics systems or with other companies, for example, with uh, farming and making agriculture more efficient uh, and greener. That sort of analysis, making better decisions for government and for businesses is just at a scale that requires a different level of effectiveness. Uh, uh, it, it, the, the, the companies that modernize to that extent will be rewarded for their investment. We see right now in a, in a COVID world how previous digital investments are, have been paying off for those companies that had invested. We, Conexus, are enabling that new uh, level of effectiveness, that new competition for, for large enterprises and governments. I agree. Basically, you're saying that whosoever invested in technology earlier before COVID time is now kind of flourishing or kind of um, getting the fruit out of it because the companies, I, I've seen some companies, not specifically in the AI world, but some companies who already started shifting the education world to online, like completely going digital online, uh, getting rid of the classes and things like that. Uh, saw a tremendous amount of growth in these times, rather than if you compare like new companies coming up with new platforms, trying to go online, but there are already competition out there. Before they were small, but now they're, they are big. So it's kind of a shift in whosoever was big is now getting even bigger. In some cases, whosoever was big is kind of seeing a decline because they didn't change their strategy or whatever they were working on. They thought, okay, it's working. So let it keep it going. So it's, we don't have to change. And now seeing a lot of negative things as well in terms of business growth. So what do you think, what is the future of business with the use of AI? Uh, that's my going to be kind of final question. I want to wrap this up before wrapping it up. I just wanted to ask you, what do you think where AI is going to take business or where business is going to take this AI? I, I think the companies that invest in the system of AI are going to be well rewarded. And I think the people uh, that, that listen to this podcast need to be engaged in the totality of that system. Uh, and need to understand it. You know, we can't be looking at a utopian world uh, that is easy to imagine, uh, or a, a, a Hollywood-like um, uh, uh, dystopia that's also easy to imagine. Either one of those allow us to just sit on our sofa and, and wait for paradise or uh, react to other developments. We need to engage uh, in these conversations around how we want the AI system to be deployed. And I encourage people to look at this as an augmentation tool, look at this as an automation uh, tool, and, 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 and talk about where we would want human circuit breakers in automation, where we would want an audit of the, the tool. We don't necessarily need to look inside of a black box, but we would at least want to see the predictable outcomes 
from a potential black box? And are we okay with those outcomes? And is the auditing process revealing a consistency from our expectations relative to that black box? That's a type of engagement that all of us need to be a part of because the future that we give to our children for AI will be created by us today. You know, we're living with the decisions in our transportation system, in our healthcare systems, in, in many parts of our lives from decisions made by our parents and grandparents and great grandparents. These decisions once made are much more difficult to undo it's than making good decisions in the first place. And so around AI, how we can make better decisions is how have people understand the system that is AI and engage in the conversation with companies, with their governments about how we want this to be expressed in our daily existence. Agreed. And where can we learn more about you and your business, Eric? Well, we are at Conexus.com. That's just, it's Latin for join, just as it sounds, Conexus.com. Uh, and then I'm obviously available in all the typical places you see in, in social media, in addition to Conexus.com. Thank you so much, Eric.